Welcome. You are listening to Sex, Love, Joy, an interview series hosted by me on IMP Orquist in which special guests share how they connect the dots between sex, love, joy while actively pursuing their dreams. On today's show, black feminist writer Tasha Fierce joins me to talk about feminism, ratchet feminism, depression, self-love as a revolutionary act, and love. Lots of talk about love and sex. Enjoy. Hi, Tasha. Welcome to Sex, Love, Joy. Hi. I want to give the listeners a background of how we met because you were one of my web development clients. Yep. (laughs) And (laughs) you came to me like at the perfect time because I was still very much in the closet about my writing. Mm. And you gave me so much courage with the pieces that you were writing and what you were sharing on the internet. You know, I have to give credit where credit is due because you you really, really inspired me. Yeah. And I came across your writing in 2010 when you were writing things like As Fat As I Want to Be, My Mama Raised Me to Think, Love and Nappiness. And my favorite from back in the day was the one that you wrote that is titled Feminist Does Not Mean Strong Woman. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite ones what are your thoughts on being a feminist Hmm. I feel like it's really a simple thing and I actually just wrote about this for this uh this comic it hasn't come out yet it's kind of cool it's called bitch planet but yeah I just wrote about the cultural misconceptions about feminism and um I was saying that it's a really simple concept but it's really easily distorted because of it being a simple concept and um I mean, it, like, I think that uh, that little gift that was going around on Twitter with Aziz Ansari, who was just like, you know, if you if you agree that Beyonce should be paid as much as Jay-Z, you're a feminist. You should just call yourself that because that's what words mean. You know, <laughs> like, that's pretty much how I feel about it. I don't feel like it's a really complicated thing necessarily. I think people kind of make it complicated. And I don't really think that it has to be. And I'm never really, I guess I've never really thought about why I personally identify as that beyond the fact that I agree with, you know, equality, gender equality, et cetera. Um, as far as like the institution of feminism, which I guess has kind of become an institution, um, I think the main thing I've always had an issue with is uh, intersectionality, um, being inclusive, you know, because um, white women have traditionally, you know, been the face of feminism and stuff like that. And since I was like 16, I've been writing about, um, you know, race and feminism and, you know, um, being excluded from, I forgot I was writing about Riot Girl because that's what I was into at the time. And so um, I was writing about that and how, you know, everyone that was around was white. And um, I just felt really like excluded by it, you know, because they weren't, they're talking about things that I couldn't relate to. They kind of dismissed, you know, my concerns and, um, and I got into reading about the feminist movement and like the history of, you know, black women and feminism and um, how they had, you know, experienced the same thing. So I got really into that and um, like bell hooks and stuff like that. That's kind of my introduction into like writing about that stuff. That piece for me, it resonated with me because I also, it, for me, it's not about girl power. And it was more about like, I learned a lot about how to be a woman and how to be myself from women that might not necessarily be accepted by feminists yeah and women that they might exclude or question how they live and that's 
one of the things with your new brand with Tastefully Ratchet that you're now, you're rejecting the politics of respectability. And that's something that I wanted to ask you about. Describe ratchet feminism for me, because this was like, I had never heard this term until I just recently saw it on your site. And I'm like, ah, this is me. (laughs) I totally did not make that up. I wish I had. I think the first place I saw it was at the Kronk Feminist Collective. And they were describing some of the women on, um, I think it was Love and Hip Hop or something like that. And it was kind of like their accidental feminist moments. (laughs) <laughs> where, you know, they probably wouldn't describe it as, like, then they themselves wouldn't have described it as feminism, or, you know, what they're doing as feminists, but, you know, I mean, it basically summed up what feminism is, you know. Um, I, I kind of like, I, I like that term because when I was doing Sex and the Fat Girl, a lot of people were turned off by how kind of coarse my language would be, like, especially <laughs> on Twitter, because I would just say shit, you know, and it'd be like, I look like, oh man, I lost like several followers when I just went on about, you know, like this sex thing or whatever, you know, and so I was kind of like, I don't think that I have to be respectable, you know, quote unquote respectable to be taken seriously in like social justice field or whatever, like I don't have to be constantly going on, you know, it's just really like kind of not pompous, but you know what I mean, like just real dry and like whatever, like I'm gonna say things like in a kind of in a ratchet manner, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like you know, it's going to be kind of like that. And so when I kind of moved away from sex in the background, I'm like, well, what kind of sums up how I am personally when I talk about this type of stuff? And so I was like, that, I guess that's like tastefully ratchet. This, and that kind of sums it up. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I like I like the description of ratchet bonus because, you know, I mean, it's like you, I don't know, you might do certain things that, you know, don't necessarily fit in that mold of this is what a feminist should be, but nevertheless, you are feminist. And that's kind of like a roundabout way of explaining why I took that on. I love it because I'm like, I'm the chick that when I'm feeling bummed and I have to get amped up, I want to listen to like Trina and, you know, I want to shake my ass. But then at the same time, part of my brain is like, no, this is not feminist, and, like, oh, my God, it's so sex negative, and it's... It's just, I don't know, it's weird to me that people have taken that that approach that, you know, well, if you're sexy or, like, if you're really into sex and, you know, you're not feminist, and, um, like, when Beyonce was like, I'm a feminist, and people are like, no, but you're too sexy, you know? It's like, really? Like, <laughs> I mean, really? Because it's, like, for so long, the trope about feminism has been, like, you're not sexy, you're very, like, you know... You're ugly, right? You know, you're a humorless feminist. And um, then Beyonce comes out and is like, yeah, I'm really, like, fabulous. And I'm feminist. People are like, no, you can't be feminist, you know, because this and this. And, I mean, like like I said, it's a simple term. It's a simple, it's a simple concept. And so her saying she's feminist is not weird to me. I don't think she should not be feminist because it's like I believe in the equality of, you know, all genders. So that's it. That's it. You know, what, whatever else you want to say about her personal politics or anyone's personal politics, it doesn't exclude them from being able to say, I'm a feminist. Yeah. And how we express our sexuality shouldn't be up for judgment. And that's something that you've always stood for. Yeah. (laughs) One of my favorite pieces is Guts and Glory. I never knew that you had a problem with being vulnerable in public because everything that you were writing from the beginning to me just revealed so much of your vulnerability. In that piece you said, at a young age, I learned that most people don't want to deal with the unpretty stuff, the things that aren't resolved by reassurances and pep talks. You also said, there is so much pressure to be okay. 
So it's not really shocking that when given the opportunity to filter what other people know about our lives, we leave out the negative. We need to make it easier to fall apart for a minute or an hour or a month and still be supported and validated. That whole piece, I read it and my heart explodes in a million amens. And that gives me so much strength. So I want to ask you about how do you do the inner work in stillness while also feeling the call to voice your struggles and to voice your dark side publicly on how important that is to building community? So before I wrote that, I was on a lot of social media. And social media tends to like eventually depress me because of Mm -hmm. the fact people most of the time only present their best face. Yep. So it's like you see this timeline, like Facebook or whatever. I try to avoid Facebook now as much as possible because of that. Yes. You see this timeline, it's like, man, this is my happiest moment in my life. Man, look at this. You know, it's like, man, look how pretty. You know, this and this. You know, and it's like, no matter how high your self-esteem is, I'm sure there's someone, like, like say you're Beyonce, right? Like, you know, (laughs) your self-esteem is so amazingly hot. It's like, I could look at this and be like, whatever. But, (laughs) like, no matter, like, how good I'm feeling about myself, like, eventually, like, this is going to wear on me, especially if I'm in a place where you know, things aren't going that well for me, you know, or like, I'm going through some stuff. I, I like shut down when I don't want to write publicly about that. I don't want to write like, man, I'm really depressed about how I look. Because I mean, my whole thing was like, be confident about yourself, you know, like, do yeah. this, that. And it was a big thing in the fact acceptance um, community too, is that like the main people, you know, who, who people are like looking up to, like, they like seem to never have like a, a bad day, you know what I mean? And I felt bad because I saw people saying that, like, you know, I, sometimes I feel bad myself and a lot of the time like a lot of the people who wrote to me be like you know I feel really bad that I feel bad basically it's like yeah. I feel better about myself I'm like I'm a bad person because I don't and I think I said that was like meta or meta feeling you know like meta yeah. self-esteem like you have low self-esteem about having low self-esteem and, <laughs> and I felt like you know like I'm not writing because I don't want you to know that I feel this way sometimes and that's messed up like why should I you know, like, why do I, why am I holding myself back because of that? And I still do it, which is messed up. Like, cause I go back and I, I read that. And I'm like, man, I totally knew that I was doing that. And like, and I'm still doing it sometimes, you know? Um, I do it too. So I, I get that because it's hard yeah. to be on all the time and yeah. sharing. And it's, there's a, I don't know. I put, I guess there's a certain filter because it's like, you can, there's certain things you can share and still be, kind of powerful you know what I mean like and there's certain things where it's like this is just never like good stuff you know what I mean like (laughs) none of these things I'm saying or thinking are like really helpful to anyone or like have a point you know what I mean like because I can't make a point out of like these thoughts that I'm having like it's just a bunch of crap and so when I was at that point I'm just like I can't even say anything you know I can't even like write about this publicly and I just felt like there was no um like room for that time you know there's no room to be like a, a writer or you know an activist or whatever and have be this this time where it's like I really am immobilized I'm really just not okay um and like the reason I said like since I was young that I found that out is because you know I had um you know I tried to kill myself when I was 14 and so it was just like it was really messy you know what I mean like from that point on it was just really like a lot of you know hospitalizations and all this stuff and no one really wants to hear about that you know what I mean like nobody like when I would date like one time I made the mistake of telling this dude that I had been in the hospital and I had to like quickly retract it like no I was just joking because he was like whoa what you know what I mean and it's like it's this whole mess 
these don't want to know that you were raped, you know, like, these don't want to, because it's like, it's a mess. It's like, it's mm-hmm. like things that they don't want to deal with. It's like, and, and people are like that. Just, it's not just, you know, he would be dating. It's people are like that, you know, they don't want to, um, get involved in the sticky, gunky, you know, like feelings, you know, like feelings that, you, that have no, you can't do anything about this. It. Like it's just going to be there, you know, and you have to just ride through it. Yeah. And it's, I, I love what you're bringing up because people don't want to deal with it, but I think they take on the shame, like, oh my gosh, should I, like, am I supposed to fix you now? Like, <laughs> yeah, like you're hor- you have these horrible things happen to you. Like, do you have value still? And that's, that's hard because like when, when nobody wants to hear it, you feel like how much value do I give? You know, yeah. I have to keep all this shit inside, but yeah. I, I'm so grateful when you, when you do come out of hiding, like, yeah. I've always written, you know, as a way to just kind of express whatever, you know, inner demons I had going on or just for my own companionship kind of, you know, or just anything, you know, and, um, I love that. (laughs) You know, it's just, I was an only child, so it was like, I had a very rich inner life. It's always been a method for me to really kind of get my feelings out and, and just kind of work it through, you know, always just kind of said, use it as a way of kind of therapy, I guess. And, you know, therapy is expensive, like legit therapy, you know? <laughs> I've only ever had the money to go like once a month and that's just basically catching you up on what happened that month and it's like, okay, bye. You know, and that's not really helpful. So most of the like things I worked out have just been me working out on my, with myself, like writing it out, reading what I wrote, like, you know, months later, you know, that type of stuff. Speaking of how you're in your head and the struggles that you had, I want to talk about how you got to this fierce point. Cause you've said in your writing that you've not always been fierce and it took you a long time to get where you're at. So tell the listeners how you got to this point of like claiming your fierceness and, and talking about things like being fat and loving sex and how you came to, to be in your skin and fully yourself while also dealing with depression and mental health issues. Okay, wow. I don't even know that I, I was, <laughs> I don't even know that I do that. You do. <laughs> um, you know that, like, I feel like I should call you Miss Tasha Fierce whenever I refer to you. <laughs> it's weird because, like, everyone always calls me Miss Tasha. Even people don't know each other. Yeah. Like, the reason is, like, yeah, Miss, like, they just start calling me Miss Tasha, and I don't know why, but it's, yeah, I like, feel like like weird, like just calling you Tasha. Like I'm like, <laughs> I should refer to her by her proper name. <laughs> I guess it's kind of like a you have zero fucks left. You know what I mean? Like <laughs> so much stuff has gone down in your life. It's kind of like you know, I don't even really care anymore. And I mean, I do care, but another you know, like yeah, I don't. I'm just gonna say stuff and. If you don't like it, I guess, okay. If you do, then that's great. I'm always surprised when people like my stuff, kind of. You shouldn't be. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, it's like, I have really, like, I'll talk a lot of shit. Like, you know, man, I'm, like, so awesome and all this stuff. But, like, legit, like, when people are like, yeah, you're great. I'm like, uh, okay, you know, thanks. It's always awkward. <laughs> but it, <laughs> kind of like a fake it till you make it type thing. Like, I've always said that. Like, if you kind of just say like you know I'm the shit you know whatever keep saying that I mean there's a point where there there are gonna be some days you believe it you know (laughs) you've kind of convinced yourself of that I mean that works with any type of belief I think if you say it enough you'll end up believing it um I guess that's kind of one way that I've gotten to where I am um just just 
lot of writing, a lot of writing what I feel, I guess. I don't know. I've just, I've done so much writing in my life. Like I've written, been writing since I was like two or something. You know what I mean? Like, so it's just a lot of developing your voice. Yeah. That's a really good way to, to learn who you are. Kind of like helps you to really like focus yourself. And so I think that's like helped me develop, I guess, my, my fierceness or something. Um, I don't know. I just think you just really have to not care as much. You know, like not care about what people think as much. And um, it's hard. It's like super hard. And I, I'm mostly like my own harshest judge. Yeah. And I think everyone is really like, yeah. you know, because I mean? like most people probably aren't thinking about you that much. You know, what I mean? <laughs> like they're not thinking all the stuff that you think. They're not yeah. noticing that this happened, you know, and all this. So I think at the same time, realizing your importance, by also, but also realizing you're not that important. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's kind of like a balancing act. Like, you know what? I'm the shit, but also I'm not. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not so great that everyone is paying attention to me. So I'm going to be over here in my little corner and do my thing and be awesome. And maybe you'll notice, maybe you won't. You know what I mean? But I'm going to be me and I'm going to be real about it. You know what I mean? Like, I also think it comes with age because there's a lot of, like, um, kids now I call them kids but you know like <laughs> or whatever um that haven't had the same life lessons um I don't know like when I was young you know there was not always this whole like internet like echo chamber thing you know this is like where there's just all this um people saying things that you kind of just take those things and just repeat them and stuff like that you had to come up with like your own ideas about stuff yeah you know you had to view things like through your own eyes and kind of work that out on your own so coming up like that I guess it sounds all weird like coming up like that like it was so long ago but <laughs> it was it was like 20 years ago <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was like just kind of having to develop your own viewpoint um work things out on your own you know that type of stuff I, I don't know it it's hard it's hard I still struggle with it I still don't always feel like fierce or whatever you don't see a lot of your own fierceness sometimes but other people do around you and I think that's the like with the depression we all do kind of have to consistently fake it until we make it because there's days where we're like uh, <laughs> it's really hard to get out of bed <laughs> yeah and I laugh because I'm like I that's how I do with it I have to laugh because <laughs> I get uncomfortable talking about it we have these voices that are online and people start looking to you and you're like, I, and that's with your writing in a lot of your pieces, you're like, I'm still figuring out. I'm still struggling. Like there are days when I backslide and that's so important. I think for people to say, and for you to, to admit that sometimes you fake it. I wanted to ask you about how you don't embrace the role of victim. Well, publicly, you know, I try to not do that. I mean, there are clearly the times where it's like, I'm laying in bed, like, man, woe is me, you know, like, why does this happen to me? Like, why? Like, what I was talking about the men, I've gone through so many days just crying, like, why did they do this? You know, like, why? I can't go back to when I was eight, you know, stop all this stuff from happening. I don't know. When I actually put, like, voice to it, I want to put it in, like, terms where it's empowering. So, but I also do want to put that caveat that, you know, I, I do have those days where it's, like, you couldn't tell me that you are not a victim, you know what I mean? Like, there's those days, but I don't want to, like, necessarily um, 
give that like a huge voice. Like I don't necessarily want to give that center stage. I don't want that to be the, the story. What I hear is that you have had things that were done to you and you're more of a survivor. Do you have moments where you're in bed and you're like, why did this shit happen? You know, had to happen to me. But then again, you don't want to give that that whole I'm a victim, what was me voice online, even though you deal with it privately. Yeah. That's what I heard. Definitely. And I just also, I don't want that. I don't want it to be the the main thing, you know? Like, I want those to be those those rare days, you know? I don't want them to be a, you know, I don't the internet is forever. That's the scariest thing for me about the internet, especially as a mom, like, I'm like, fuck, one of my kids is definitely going to read this (laughs) one day and ask some questions that I'm not ready for. (laughs) I am really thankful that when I was writing online that, and when I was a kid, you know, like Mm -hmm. teens, twenties, you know, like that, the internet, it wasn't so forever. You know what I mean? Like, like, that when I was really working things out, like political views, like when I was kind of ignorant on some things and might have said something that I did have a filter. Like I did manage to know that I don't know that much about this. So I'm not going to write about it publicly. You know what I mean? Like, like mm-hmm. there's people who are kind of like, I don't know anything about this and I'm just going to stay. So. <laughs> and I don't care. You know what I mean? And, and that's not the kind of, I don't care that I think you should embrace. You know what I mean? <laughs> but um, I'm glad that when I was working stuff out that I had the sense to not, right you know that type of stuff just things that would hurt people like you know things that you you don't understand um and uh that also the internet wasn't such a big like permanent like there's no google uh archive or whatever you know there's yeah. no cash you know it wasn't like this is permanently frozen and there's not really anything you can do about it um yeah so i am glad for that yes I, I love where you went with this. And this, I do want to talk about something that you've mentioned in a couple of different pieces. I want to talk about how, for me, my love language is touch. So when you're writing about touch and fat people not being worthy of touch or disabled people not being worthy of touch, you know, to society, not to us, um, those pieces really spoke to me. And I want you to... to enlighten the listeners on on your thoughts with that because I I really 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 feel that touch is such a vital thing for all of us and we're all worthy of love let's see attract attractiveness is like such a measure of value I think like if you're not attractive then you're not like worth anything in our society and so if you're not attractive then you know you're not gonna get affection you're not going to get love you know you're not worthy of that you know what I mean and um that in turn like kind of it alienates you from society um it creates like a you know marginalize you and all this it's also like it's very depressing and just kind of just perpetuates this whole cycle of um and it doesn't matter what we look we all in our heads aren't attractive enough sometimes because that I mean that's the thing is like if you felt attractive at all times you wouldn't buy shit you know what I mean? Like, you wouldn't need to do, like, any of the stuff that we do. You know what I mean? Like, there's so much stuff that you wouldn't, wouldn't be able to be an active participant in our society if you really, like, were able to fully love yourself, like, at all times, to be real. You know what I mean? Like, our, our, no, I mean, for, like, our society is predicated on making you feel insecure, making you feel like, like you're not worth 
you know, this or that, you know, and then selling you what you need to feel that way. <laughs> I mean, that's how that was. That's what drives consumerism. But, you know, whatever. Um, no, it's not whatever. You're so <laughs> like, you're so right on. Like, <laughs> tell it. <laughs> but, but I mean, you know, so in order to reinforce like marginalization, mm-hmm. you know, we have to like make, you know, make fat people, you know, make disabled people, whoever, like anyone, make them feel like they're not worth you know, love or affection, you know, like, and that, that makes you more, um, amenable to stay in your place, Ooh. you know? And so that's why it's so like revolutionary for fat people to like love themselves, um, to be like, I'm going to, you know, be out here and be like fat, proud, you know, and just not let you shame me. It's the same with disabled people. It's the same with anyone who's not normative, you know, it's very, um, it's, that's why it's revolutionary for you to do this. And that's why I love, why I really like um, self love as a form of resistance because it's something that helps you like internally, and it also helps society. Yes. You know, it's just saying yes, 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 yes. <laughs> you know, and you're saying you know I'm not going to accept you know the oppression that you you know I'm not going to accept this oppression based on you saying that I'm not worth anything as a human. You know what I mean? Like that I'm going to love myself in the face of you telling me that I'm not worth it, even if nobody else does. I'm going to do it. You know, and, I, and I'm going to, you know, live my life and be out there. So that's why I, that is one of the reasons why that I do, I am out there and I write about, you know, this stuff or whatever. It's because it's, it's resistance for me. And it's taking it back to the whole, um, you know, affection and touch thing or whatever. Um, I think that people, other people realizing that, you know, certain people are, worth you know loving or whatever is it's important and that only happens after like you realize it so that's why I kind of like to draw attention to the fact that we're not given this I want your tips for building resilience resilience I know that when I ask you something like you're like thinking of the textbook definition of that word. I, I am kind of because I'm like yeah, let's see. You're such okay. a writer. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, wait, resilience means. Yeah, I guess. Okay, I guess I would just translate into survival, and I'm, I'm gonna go with survival as a definition of resilience because it's easy for me to to go with that because I think like I kind of survive as kind of like a defiant thing. A lot of crap has happened, and you really tried like your best take me out you know like or whatever but I'm just gonna kind of keep doing this because fuck you and you know I'm just I don't know I just I kind of think you have to get a little angry about it like you know like you have to kind of be like you know what like society really does not want to see me succeed you know like whoever I am you know I, I don't know I, I, I love um helping people who are in marginalized um underprivileged categories because I think it's way more empowering and important to um have them tell their stories or listen to their stories or recognize the validity of what they're saying so I always tend when I say these things about like survival or like you know resistance I'm mainly talking to that um that segment of the population I think this was a tweet you said navigating these changes and how my identity is viewed and how I view myself is kind of challenging and I don't know where I am with it and although you don't know where you are now and you've gone through all this stuff, you are in a relationship now. Yeah. And 
from the little that I know of it and from the pictures that I've seen, you seem very happy. How has your partner's love changed you and helped you navigating being yourself while still learning to be and thrive? Hmm. Hey, let me compose myself here. <laughs> <laughs> you have all the time in the world. Oh, okay. Well, I, it, he sees me as I am and he sees me, he sees me as who I want to be, who I think I, who I want to be, but who I actually am. Yeah. I don't know if I'm that makes so much sense to me, Tasha. Okay, okay good. Yes. I don't think and I will add this, that um, in, in my last interview with Gigi, we were talking about how we were struggling in our own heads to, to get to a point where we wanted to be more of ourselves and we were afraid. And our partners, when we actually became ourselves, were like, why did it take you so long? And, yeah. you know, we see our partners as better than they are. We always, like, mm-hmm. no matter who our partner is, how great they are or how terrible, you know, other people might think they are. We, when we fall truly, madly, deeply in love, we see our partners as potential sometimes too. And that yeah. sounds crazy. I know. I mean, it's like a fixer upper. <laughs> <laughs> but we all are fixer uppers. Like yeah, everyone. I know. I know. I know. But it's just like, you don't. Even Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. I know. You don't see those flaws as like, oh, I'm not going to buy this house. It's like, you know what? Those flaws, you, you <laughs> slap some paint on that, you know? I mean, like, you know, I don't know. Um, I think it's funny because like he knew me as Tasha Pierce. Like that's how he he read my writing and like that's how we met. And like really? so, it's, like, yeah, it's um, so it's kind of like he saw the best of me first. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like what I would consider the best of me, and then learn like learn the worst of me and <laughs> what I would consider the worst of me. And he's still here, and so I feel that that means a lot. Like, I feel like it means more than, like, my first relationship. First, I was young, like, really young. And then also, it was just, like, it started out kind of crappy. So it was kind of like you knew what you were getting into. You know what I mean? <laughs> you knew that stuff was, that I was kind of messed up then. But it's, like, when, you know, he he knew me, and he, like, knew me as, like, Tasha Pierce. And that's, then he was willing to continue and buy that house even after knowing, like, the front may not be as great. Like, the backyard may not be as great as the front. You know what I mean? Like, the backyard might be full of weeds and stuff. You know, yeah, the front is really great. And, like, the living room is awesome. You know what I mean? Like, even still, like, he saw the whole I house. do. I just bought a house last year. <laughs> you know? So I think that's worth more than just straight buying a crappy house, like a shack. Because it's like you wanted a shack. You know what I mean? I don't know, like, if that's. If you bought a shack, you wanted a shack because you, you <laughs> saw that as a shack. And you're like, you know what? I need the shack. For me, now I want to be like, wait, well, the people that buy the mansion, like, they have so much privilege and they have so much, like. <laughs> you know, I don't know if that's a metaphor or like, out. <laughs> But, um, yeah. <laughs> so love the whole fixer up. <laughs> oh, girl, you just left me speechless. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to leave this in. But, yeah, like, 
I, I still get it because I bought a fixer upper almost 17 years ago. <laughs> and now people are telling me, you're so lucky. And I'm like, bitch, I've been pulling weeds in that backyard for 17 years. <laughs> you only see the pool that's there now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, you're willing to put that work in. You know what I mean? Like, you buy a fixer upper, you're like, okay, I'm willing to put this work in because I see like the value you know, that's there, you know, there's value there already that's clear and obvious, right? But there's also value, like, hidden underneath, like, a bunch of crap, you know what I mean? And, like, when I see myself in my first relationship, like, I was a shack, you know what I mean? And you got into this shack hoping that it would magically turn into a mansion, do you know what I mean? And, like, yes. it didn't after many, you know, like, a decade, did not turn into a mansion, and you were surprised, do you know what I mean? <laughs> You're shocked that the shack somehow did not magically transform into a mansion, you didn't buy a mansion, you know what I mean, that's fine, you know, because people buy a mansion, hey, this is a mansion, it remains a mansion, it might kind of get dilapidated after a few years, you know, whatever. But you buy a fixer upper, like, you are, you are, you know, you're saying, I want to put in work, and I'm willing to put in this work, and I'm not going to leave this house, you know, all crappy, because I lose my investment, right? You know, <laughs> I can't resell this thing, I'm the only one who's got value in it, right? <laughs> You know, I don't know. That's my little metaphor of houses and relationships. And yeah, how his love has changed. I, girl, I, I'm eating this stuff up. <laughs> <laughs> and like I said, I bought a house. I didn't, you know, I knew it wasn't the best house. And I saw the potential in it. But it wasn't until I got into it that I was like, oh, my God, these floors look worse than I thought they did. <laughs> you grow. I mean, even, let's just take a straight house. Like, we're not talking about relationships. Like, even working on a house... You grow with the house. You, yeah. make, you kind of you help you make that house what you what you want it to be, and that house also kind of changes you. And now I'm back into relationships again. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's like so doing that work. You know, and also you change as well. And so, yeah. And if you are willing to admit that you are also a fixer upper, that you're not a mansion, you know what I mean? Then that you know, there's growth there. I so love it because you just said, you know, he knew he wasn't completely whole and that he needed work and I needed work and we're doing the work. And I, I just love this whole metaphor of of making love a home. And it reminds me of a of a poem I wrote for for my man about how his um, his love felt like a sweater on me you know, at a certain point. I, I just love it for you. Sex is. Sex is. Man. <laughs> sex is fun I mean <laughs> so bad at like completing sentences or like answering questions like yeah I don't know sex just straight sex not straight sex is like heteros but just saying the word sex um, and having sex I would say sex is fun okay and then qualify it with who are you and like what do I think sex is like uh, like as a as me as like a fat woman black woman, uh, mentally ill woman, you know, whatever. Um, I'm really into resistance. So I want to say sex and loving sex is resistance. Um, and being open about it, definitely being sex positive, you know, and, and also like, I I also want to mention the fact that being like talking about sex positivity a lot, of the time, sometimes it does alienate people who may be like asexual, you know what I mean? Like, they feel like, well, I'm not, part of your feminism because I'm not sex positive I'm not I don't have sex you know what I mean like so I do, I do want to like qualify that um but 
Yeah. Oh no. I will go with resistance. <laughs> <laughs> so roundabout. Like, this is why I write. Yeah. You know? and, and the thing is, like, that word resistance relates to me so much to the word fierce. And I'm like, you are so you, and I love you. <laughs> love is. Um, <laughs> it's so not an sappy. ill. I mean, like, it's sad. It's like, I'm so sappy about love because it's like, love is awesome. Like, I mean, love is like a force. You know what I mean? Like, man, I'm even getting all like kind of teary inside. Cause it's, I just feel like I'm, I sound so hippie when I talk about it, but love, I feel like if I believe, if I believed in like an afterlife, I would say that like who. Who you're with in the afterlife is who you love. You know what I mean? Like, who you love, like, really strongly and, and fiercely. And I would say love is really what binds us all. And if we loved more, like, really, for real love, we wouldn't have so many of the problems we have. Like, I know it's really, like, kind of cliche to say, but it's, the opposite of love is indifference to me. And um, we are so indifferent to, like, everyone, like, that's why, you know, people can say, you know, well, black lives don't matter, you know, like that, you know, all this stuff. That's why you can, you can um, oppress people and not feel anything about it or whatever, because you're indifferent to their suffering. It's not even hatred, because hatred requires, like, passion, you know? So love to me is just, like, if, if we really, like, knew what love was and, like, apply that to, like, everyone, it would uh, heal a lot of the ills in our society. So... Yeah. <laughs> joy is. Let's joy is. I'm gonna go with joy is love and like loving yourself fully and loving everyone else. And well, not everyone, but you know what I mean. <laughs> I mean, not it, that person. Not not. not. Yeah. <laughs> oh, but you know, not not loving in the sense that man, like I, I love you, love you, but like I will have. I have that um, space for you as a human being. You know what I mean? Like, not, yeah. I would, uh, joy is also self-actualization for me, I think. Um, Amen. Yeah, it's like freedom, um, just being in the moment. Yeah. I'm, I have the biggest smile on my face right now. <laughs> I have to thank you before we say goodbye. I have to thank you for, for inspiring me and helping me come out of my shell with my own writing because you you definitely were a catalyst in that well, i'm glad that you're writing and i really appreciate you i yeah. really do i think your voice is really important and i think you need to keep doing what you do thank you and i hope that you we came back at almost the same time so i hope that when we're writing we're writing at the same time <laughs> <laughs> and when we go into stillness you know because i i so need your voice too and thank you so much, Miss Tasha Fierce. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> For being on Sex, Love, Joy. Oh, hey, I had a lot of fun. I had fun, too. Thanks for listening to Sex, Love, Joy. For more interviews like this one and my other work, please visit sexlovejoy.com. I hope that listening to today's guests talk about living their truths helps you in your quest to do the same. Remember... Thriving ain't easy, but adding a little sex, love, joy to your day makes the living a whole lot juicier. Until next time. <laughs>